All right, y'all. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Lose Smurtho Podcast. Um, I'm here as your host, um, Adil Tofik, and also my co-host with me. We got Nabil Abdullah, aka Sky Blue, aka Sky Obluey. Um, Nabil, glad to have you. How you doing? Thank you. You forgot co-founder of the Lose Smurtho Podcast. <laughs> co-founder, CEO, <laughs> all that neighborhood nips, uh, motivate all that, right? So appreciate you, Nabil. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure, man. Uh, uh, with us, we got a couple of guests. With I'm gonna let them introduce themselves on this episode. Um, I'd like to kick it off to our first guest, um, Ramzi. You want to introduce yourself, please? Yep. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Uh, Ramzi Abu Bakr. I'm a management consultant based out of Atlanta. Excited to be with everybody today. Uh, nice to have you, man. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. It really means a lot. Appreciate you. Of course. Um. Uh, all, yeah. Also with us, we got Sinat. Yeah, I'm Sina Radio. Assalamualaikum, everybody. I'm a senior at Georgia Tech studying international affairs and sociology, um, and I'm working this semester with the American Civil Liberties Union of Georgia. Happy to be here. Okay. That's just the start of her resume. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. telling you, it's going to be a long list. So, you know what I mean? We got the honor of catching it early. You know what I mean? So, big things start popping off. And last but not least, one of my close friends, uh, I'm going to throw it to our last guest. Uh, please introduce yourself. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, this is Abdullah Jabri speaking. Um, I currently serve as the executive director for CARE Georgia. That's the Council on American Islamic Relations, the largest uh, Muslim civil rights and advocacy organization in the country by the grace of Allah. Uh, previously, I've had the pleasure of serving as a resident scholar and imam in the West Coast in California and also here in Atlanta. Uh, grew up in Atlanta, spent part of uh, a few years in California and about a quarter of my life in Africa. Uh, so it's a pleasure to be here and looking forward to the conversation, inshallah. It's a pleasure to have you, man. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate you for coming, Tom. So, guys, today's conversation is one that I've been thinking about for a while now, right? Um, it may seem random to people, but for me, it never really stops. I just pick up right where it left off. And uh, Nabil, you know, just, I don't know, how do you feel as far as this year? It's been a crazy year. There's a lot been going on. Um, a lot's been happening, but nothing stands out more to me than obviously the movement, the, the Black Lives Movement and everything that's been going on. Um, do you feel like it's been slowing down in your opinion? Do you feel like things have kind of been, you know, I mean, have, have lost momentum? Do you feel like we're on track, we're off track? How do you, how do you feel about everything in our current state? Um, I think that it's like, I think it, it sprung upon us so fast, like the whole movement. And it was like something that we all just kind of jumped into with like the protesting and the, like the posts and like the discussions and all that. I think um, what I think we still continue to sort of lack is like some sort of like leadership body that is kind of united that can, um, I guess, help us kind of like put actionable plans together. Yeah. I think it's kind of like all over the place and like, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of like protests in different cities and like, I feel like in certain cities, the goals are different. Um, so I don't think it's a lack of momentum. I think it's just a lack of like possibly just focus on like Direct. certain items that we're trying to accomplish. No, I agree. And, that's, that's a really good point. Yeah, I agree. And I think that without like, like visible leadership, like it's hard to like, it's hard to follow certain things. You know what I mean? Like if you're like different cities have different goals. Some are talking about defund the police. Um, some people don't even know what defund the police means. 
um, you know, a certain place to try to get laws changed, but just a lot of like different things in different cities. But to me, they're just kind of like, I don't know, you know, like what would be the top five things that we can all agree upon that we want to like kind of work on. I think um, if I make a comment here, I, um, I've heard that from a lot of people. And I think to some degree, I, I do agree that there should be, um, you know, kind of union in our collective goal. Um, and, and like you said, leadership in that way. I will say, though, that America is such a huge country and our demographics and even our political affiliations from city to city is different. So really, the possibilities that can be achieved in you know Chicago is much different than what is achieved in Athens, Georgia. So I say that to say I don't even I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing that different cities have different goals, um, though. Yes, it's it's kind of messy and chaotic. I think that that's realistic and, and kind of on scale and on brand with how America has worked thus far. Movement kind of sprang out of nowhere. I feel like it feels like that for a lot of people. And there are so many people who have been doing this work for a long, long time. And so I mean, uh, publicly, for those people, like publicly, right, right. On a national, like this is a global scale, not like in a global scale, like there's a lot of people who've always done work and I will never, right. like we're not taking credit for this. They've always done the work behind the scenes. But like to have everybody behind this movement um, is something that's I don't think we've ever seen before. Yeah, no, no and I totally agree. That's I was I was gonna say that it's um it's so to me personally, someone who's been engaged in this work for a long time, it is so relieving and so rewarding that it's like okay, finally they're listening, right? Like I think that it's a good thing though. It's you know, delayed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, one thing about the recent context is. You know, I mean, to Sina's point, like the message has been the same, right? You could argue for decades, centuries, right? In terms of this call for equity, this call for equality. Um, but all of a sudden there's a lot more momentum. And, you know, often people ask like, what is the driver? And there's, you know, a school of thought that, you know, you have a captive audience now, right? Mm -hmm. um, everywhere you look, your news cycle is flooded, right? It's hard to ignore when every screen you pull up has, you know, some flavor of racial equity or racial injustice uh, of, of the day, right? That's one piece. Uh, and the other piece, like people would argue is like, just the, like some of the severity uh, of like the recent actions, right? Like the Amy Cooper, mm. um, the um, George Floyd. I mean, just being able to see that and capture that, the advent of, I mean, social media in general, general is just helping like make this much more pervasive issue. But like having this like compounding effect of like a captive audience and, you know, pretty significantly like disgusting events, right? That have happened over the past couple months have only just added gasoline to this flame that's kind of like been burning for a while, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's the you know, point is like, hey, this has been going on for a while. People are just now listening. And I think that's the interesting piece. And this the struggle and the thing that I that that I have a hard time uh, coming to terms with is, you know, enthusiasm is easy, but like sustainability is hard, right? Right. Um, and and how do you make this sustainable? And that's that's the tricky piece. Okay, so Rumsey, what are the components of sustainability? Well, I mean, first that's a loaded question, so thank you for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but uh, I'll try to I'll try to simplify like my take on it, just some reflection I've had is like, if you think about people at their core, um, 
people act rationally, right? They act rationally based on incentives. And for black people, it's very easy to say, you know, give me equity, give me equality, because it actually has a direct impact, like very direct impact on our livelihoods, our welfare, our future. For people who are not marginalized, the question is, how do you create an incentive for them? Mm -hmm. Right? And I think that's the trick. And, and part of this incentive, this recent incentive, you could argue is disorder, right? Like the question of like, why are riots actually effective? It's because it creates disorder and people want order because that directly impacts them, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do you create incentives that are sustainable um, that help the majority of folks get on the same page, right? And not only get on the same page from just like acknowledgement, but also to like activism, right? Um, so th that's, that's the million dollar question. I don't have the answer, but like, I think like that perspective is interesting just to think about it in terms of like, it's not just like what you do, it's like, how do you actually change behaviors by changing incentives? Okay, so I've always had this problem, like, because I, some, and I'm not siding with anybody, but I always feel like sometimes there's like a level of like, innocent ignorance amongst people mm -hmm. so how do you like when you when we're talking about creating incentives what like what what kinds of incentives could there be for people who have like innocent ignorance yeah i mean so if we think about like the people yeah. that don't understand yeah. that they have privilege for example right like people that don't like they're not faced with like having to challenge their privilege like they live in a society of like just you know to us it, it's we're viewed we view it as they're they're just privileged right they have this quote-unquote white privilege but to them since they don't know any different it's just not privilege to them it's just a regular life I mean, how can you how can you incentivize somebody who has everything though? They have a system that works for them. But I'm I, saying, I as a person who's in that individual. system, who's never yeah. been challenged with other any other system, right? They yeah. may not understand that they do have privilege. You know, to them, yeah. it's like if the police tells you, to, you know, to 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 comply with them, you just comply and everything will be okay. You know, if you call the cops, they'll be on your side, and they just understand that. So, yeah. like to them, they don't understand that, like as a black person you know, dealing with cops is completely different because they've never had to deal with that. I, yeah. I think, I personally, I'll say this, though, before Ramsey, like, you know, this is, I'll say, I don't think it's anything you can incentivize with them. I think it's just a moral conscience. I think it's just, they feel it in themselves. So, uh, that's the plea that we all have as, as African-Americans or as black people, right? It's like appeal to the conscience, right? Like, hey, this is just wrong, plain, plain, plain black and white, right? It's, it's as clear as it can be. And that's the only, I don't know how else you can bring change in, in, amongst the people Unless they feel like it is wrong, right? Not there's no incentive for that. There's no, there's no money. It's, you can't give them money or any promotion yeah. or anything more. Like it's just like realizing your heart. This is the wrong. But I, thing. I, I think you're spot on. Uh, that, I mean, but that that's the incentive, right? The incentive is like you're actually doing good, right? People want to believe that they're good people innately, mm -hmm. right? And one way to assume that you're good in like a world of evil is to be ignorant, right? Take the ignorance card. Yeah. Um, and, and so to like ad address that is by like helping inform and educate people on the fact that they are privileged, right? And 
that will help people understand that there is a gap, there is an equity, there are marginalized communities, and that, you know, by ignoring their privilege, they are inherently, you know, exacerbated. Exactly. Right. And, yeah. and that's that's another type of incentive. And I also think that, I mean, there are some people who are ignorant by choice, right? You can tell them you're right. privileged, you're privileged, you're privileged, and it goes in one ear, comes out the other on purpose. So I don't think that those people are, um, I mean, I don't think that they should be the focus. I definitely think the people who are just like, oh, la-di-da, this is my life. I don't know any better. Like, yeah, yeah. opportunity to learn. But um, but yeah, the people who are who are too far off and don't want to change and will vote for Trump in 2020, like, don't even bother. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the, the 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 best parts of this whole thing, right? In my opinion, um, I can't say it's kind of a conclusion in my mind, right? That the only way I feel like change will come on a wide scale is by educating people about the system. You can't change the system until you know exactly how the system works, right? Mm-hmm. People have done a great job of calling out the deficiencies in the system, and the, you know, what I mean, how unfair it is on so many different levels, right? On every different little sector of life. Mm. And people are pointing out, like, and it's it's hard to ignore. Like, it's really to the point where NBA is wearing racial justice badges on their on their on their on their shirts, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're wearing all these quotes on. I mean, like, so it's the point where, like, you just you make it so clear to them. Like, it's just it's, they point out so many different things, and that was very that was a good. I like seeing that, right? I really appreciate seeing that. And I think this yeah. kind of mass scale. Um, that that Black Lives Matter has gone into, where you know even NBA players are, are representing it. Um, I think that there are some people who will, I don't know, kind of continue on their performative allyship track, right? Mm-hmm. It's like Black Lives Matter is cool, so I'm going to support it because my favorite basketball player is wearing a T-shirt that supports it. Um, but then, you know, it will get the attention that people who are curious enough to learn more, who, who do want to dismantle their own privilege, who do want to dismantle the system. Um, so, so to your point, this kind of mass out, this, this spread of... Um, of how cute it is to be on, you know, like on board with Black Lives Matter is definitely um, something beneficial. Uh, yeah, I just want to also like point out like this whole movement and like you know, there's players with like badges and stuff like that. That that's it's being promoted. It's like in your face. We also have to worry about like the direct campaign from the other side that mm. denounces our movement and how like they gain, gain traction and you know. By, they, they use a lot of stats, right? They they say every Democratic city who has Democratic mayor now, crime has gone up, right? And they they distract people by saying, you know, what about black-on-black crime in Chicago? Um, so just mm-hmm. as much as there's, like, a push for, like, the BLM movement, like, another concern is, like, from the far right. Well, I don't I, I don't want to call them far right, but there's an, there's an agenda being pushed on the other side, you know, denouncing this whole movement and using you know, misleading statistics to kind of like, you know, prove that, you know, BLM is just, is just a hoax. And, um, you know, it's interesting, though, like as far as all these pro-black movements and support black businesses going on, like we have a lot of movement. Go- on the other end, you have the, the Trump supporters, right? And they're building up their their whole campaign and their whole thing. They, they got a lot of, you know, they're kind of working on too at the same time, right? So I feel like it's kind of building up to this kind of like, Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Storm, if man. you guys if you guys get a chance, like regularly check Fox News, mm. just you know online or whatever, and just read what like what their stance is, and they're like a bigger platform than CNN is. 
they have higher ratings and like if you can just see the the attacks that they throw at black lives matter it kind of puts into perspective like what we're also up against it's not just the ignorance about this powerful other side that's like trying to sweep this whole thing under the rug mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's an important point right around just like echo chambers right like we have to be mindful not to not to be in denial that you know our circle is our circle for a reason right likely because we have similar interests similar perspectives and what that can sometimes do is um put put us in this like false sense of security about like what the world actually looks like right um all my friends agree that you know black lives matter all my friends agree that you know the democratic ticket is a it's a for sure win for you know the, the the election and and just recognizing that like fox news exists that you know people are marching to stone mountain with the kkk with mm-hmm. guns right like yesterday crazy yeah exactly like just knowing that exists is actually really important right just to make sure that we're being thoughtful and vigilant with our approach to things right like we we just can't take our foot off the gas and so i think that's, that's a really really good point to build i think that's where like uh I kind of feel like leadership, like it's like a centralized leadership per se, like can kind of come in, you know, because a lot of times we're fighting off the emotions, right? Like we're, we're going, we're, we're emotional about what we see, what we've experienced. And, you know, sometimes we lose like the tactfulness, how we can like utilize this movement into like, you know, like, you know, like they had this whole thing about campaign about like, voting and like when to vote and what states are voting and you know who to vote for and which candidates represent what and you know what I mean like I think more of that um, like needs to be done because I feel like the other side they're extremely tactful and you know they're they're they use the laws to their advantage they use their privilege to their advantage they use their influence and their relationships to their advantage and I think that, like, we're just kind of, it just feels like right now, because me personally, I'm kind of, like, lost as to, like, like what's next for me? Like, I've mm. protested, I've marched, you know, I got a Gucci bag, I've done all that. <laughs> but what's, <laughs> what's next for me now? Like, you know what I mean? Because, like, you guys mentioned before, the momentum is, like, what happens when coronavirus is over and we go back to life and we go back to work and we go back to, like, then what? Mm. Is, was this all in vain? Like, like the, the the playoffs is ha- happening now, right? I feel like it makes you forget about everything that was going. I mean, like there was no distractions right during the time, right? right. But as life kind of comes back to it, you just kind of forget, right? Like you—that's a scary thing for me with this whole movement is that you we had the stage, we had the voice, we had the world listening, and if still nothing changes or, or we, it's slow change, I mean, it's kind of it's so demoralizing, right? It kind of makes you feel like that, you know? What I mean, what can what can we really do? But honestly, there's a lot that we can do. Right? That's, that's all I would like to ask y'all. Like, in your own little circles, like Rum just said, we all have our circles. What, what, what are what what kind of changes do you see happening, or what changes are you fighting for? Like, that's kind of a question I would like to throw out to, to everybody out there. Anybody can you know hop on that. Sina, do you want to go first, and I can go after? Or? Yeah, I'll go ahead and start. So, um. I want to first answer just kind of generally what people can be doing. I think the answer to that is two prong. So the first, um, and this is, this is one that I think so many people forget, but COVID has forced us into is 
you have to reflect on your your beliefs, your values, your own goals, and your capabilities. What can you actually give to this movement? And I say that because it, I mean, this movement requires force from all corners. I mean, everything from art that's being created and put out to who is on the front lines of um, protest to who is speaking with policymakers. It is everywhere, right? First, evaluating for your own sake, what is what is your own personal values and what does that stem from right is it islam is it the fact that you've had a, an experience of discrimination like what whatever your fuel is keep that in mind and then um, the second part to that is um then do it right whatever your capability is it's not going anywhere so that's how you keep it sustainable that's how you keep it consistent i'm not gonna stop writing anytime soon so if i can keep producing poetry and if that inspires other people then that's what i'll do even if it's small um so what I'm doing in particular. I, I, I love what you said about that. So now, yeah, I love what you said. And I feel like for me personally, and for a lot of us that can relate, being a Muslim, I think that's what makes it so, so touching for us. Or like we're so, it impacts us so much because our core belief is justice, right? Mm-hmm. So when you see, no matter where it is, right? Especially, mm-hmm. especially upon yourself, right? That directly affects you. I think it just gives you that, that feeling like you have to fight for this. You have to stand up for this, right? As your religious duty, your civil duty, human being, like just being a human being, like in, on all fronts, it just kind of calls, it's a call to justice, mm-hmm. right? And that's what makes it so appealing to me. Like I gotta, I gotta fight for that. Exactly. I mean, it's just like, we have a duty to pray five times a day. If you can commit to that duty, you can commit to your duty of justice, right? Like mm. it is just as much, it is, it is just as important. Um, so, um, Specifically, what I'm doing in my community as a senior at Georgia Tech, there are a number of different committees that I'm on and um, leadership positions that I've held in the past. But at Georgia Tech, I mean, we have we we're a school that that graduates the most um, black uh, engineers and STEM majors, and that's just because of numbers. I think that the percentage is going down. If I'm um, not mistaken of our African-American students. And that's because of the support that's not always received from our administration. And that's no shade to Georgia Tech administration in particular. I think that's true of any predominantly white institution or or particularly um, prestigious institution. So the work that I've been doing um, has been focused on the black community and how we can kind of incite institutional change with administration, kind of keeping dialogue um, at the forefront of their minds through the work that I do is something that I... Um, that I'm hoping to continue to in my last year. And, and though this is a point, I mean, I've always been kind of advocating for the black community since I got here now more than ever, like was previously mentioned, um, the administration's listening and it's like, well, we have to, we cannot fail this time. So, um, so granted- Can I play devil's advocate for a second? Yeah, go ahead. Um, like I get the concept of like, everybody do what they can do, right? Is there a point where, like, instead of saying anything, like, instead of saying even the small things count, we just kind of, like, shoot big and say, like, no, it's time to do bigger things. You know, it's not, you know, because the protest is in your area, like, you just go and that's, like, your form of, like, you know, trying to make a contribution. But, like, is there a point where we say, like, all right, like, let's not take that route anymore. Let's try to, like, actually work on bigger things like everybody individually. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think both should be happening. And, and I, the reason why I specifically say reflect on what you can do and do it is because one, that's a point of sustainability, but two, what we're doing is pushing for a single agenda. Yes, that's important, but there are, there's, 
I mean, we got to remember, these are people on the front lines, meaning this is this is a mental health crisis as much as it is a physical health crisis. So taking care of that, taking care of your peers, mental health, like that is all important. And if we can on a basis level, right, like all of our grounds are covered, then, of course, the big stuff is still at the forefront of our minds. But if you're not sleeping and eating, then you can't advocate. So um, Mm -hmm. so not forgetting the small things is just as important. So, Sina, just to like build off what you asked, I mean, what you were speaking to before, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it seems like there's obviously a lot more urgency from leaders across the board on being more responsive to, you know, ra- racial equity support. Mm-hmm. And is, is your sense from the work you're doing that this is, you know, like a spike in curiosity and effectiveness or... Are you seeing some like glimpses of potential like sustainable change? So, for example, you mentioned recruiting efforts, but like, how are you feeling about like the work you're doing and like the long term viability of it? I 100 percent see an entirely different kind of energy, passion and intentionality from our administration than I'd seen in the past. Mm. Um, I want to reference something that happened in 2015. So before my time at Tech, there was a black student who was walking down um, like the Greek camp the Greek houses area on campus and someone mm. called out to them and called them the N-word. And it like, mm. it blew up in the black community, of course, in the whole campus. And there was this like sudden urge, oh my gosh, wow, racism exists on our campus. Like we have to focus on it. By the time I came in 2017, I didn't know what the Black Student Experience Task Force was. I didn't know what efforts they were doing. It, within two years, it was gone. Um, and so the difference I think this time is the intentionality and in the, in the, the, programs put in institutional changes that we're looking at um is different and and i would hope that by the time you know my younger brother is my age this is still conversations is happening so yeah i do feel like this is this is different and there's more pressure i mean we're in atlanta like this is there's so much more pressure to do something effective now than before yeah no that's awesome so yeah abdullah let me let me ask you what's your experience um like i said you're in the for you're in the front line you, you're you're in the protest um what how from your experiences what what would you say is it shoot after what 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 do we do after the protest like do we focus on the small things do we focus on the big things what what's your take on this what's your what's your what's your view um yeah but by the grace of Allah, i've had the uh opportunity and continue to have the uh you know opportunities to engage uh over this you know this weekend uh stone mountain uh about a month ago when um care georgia we had a press release um, asking, you know, um, our our legislators to rethink, um, you know, the Stone Mountain uh, carving or monument. Um, I received a lot of death threats, right? Um, mm, so man. on one side, I think, and obviously I can't speak for everyone, but for the Muslim community, what I've seen is that over the past several months, um, the opponents of BLM, the, the opponents of Black Lives Matter specifically, they have really gone out of their way to uh, smear and attack the causes most vocal supporters, and that being American Muslims. American Muslims have been, you know, at the forefront, very vocal, and it's great to see. So I think for the Muslim community, it's it's about um, internal change, and you know, this is something that I'm a big uh, believer of. And I think for Muslims, this is what change looks like. Change is internal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked about. Um, that Allah does not change the situation, condition of a people until they realize that there's something wrong with them and then they take proactive steps mm-hmm. um, in changing that. So as Martin Luther King said, 
um, you know, protest, it, they're, they're not just random acts of, of, you know, anger and grievance. No, protest, uh, this is the way the oppressed enter the political realm. Riots are how we get to listen. Um, so that's what we see. That's what we see. So again, going back to what, what I believe as Muslims is, you know, when we talk about change, internal change is very important. So for Muslims, and when I say Muslims, we're talking about majority uh, immigrant Muslim community. One of the things that we're pushing everyone to do is think about, you know, what that internal change looks like. Uh, that's where it really goes back to your niya, your intention. That's where it really goes back to understanding what Black Lives Matter is, understanding what it means um, to say Black Lives Matter also. Uh, going beyond the hype of a hashtag, mm -hmm. um, going beyond the blank statements on Facebook posts by massages only, right? It's for us, our massages, our organization, our schools, our community centers to commit to uh, racial equity training, uh, implicit bias training. I believe that's how we bring change. We have to internally change ourselves as Muslims. Uh, and I think, you know, for, for CARE, being a, a Muslim civil rights organization, our commitment is um, to support, and you know, uh, Akira has been very vocal in support of the Black Lives Movement. Actually, from our national office, we are bringing national changes internally, again, because that's what our faith calls us to. So again, when we talk about change, um, I believe it is very internal. Um, the, 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 the aid of God or, or the help of God is, is you know, given to those who take the proactive step, but that only happens when we understand what it is, when we learn. And I believe there's a lot of ignorance within our community. And now speaking on as an American, I believe there's a lot of ignorance within the general public. Um, you know, so I think that those are educating our communities, educating people about what it is. Um, so whether it's, it's you know, um, starting a, something s simple as a book club or discussion groups or going to, you know, Black leaders, as we've done in, in Atlanta, encourage our community to listen and sit at the feet of Black leaders and understand what they've gone through. You know, um, he, when, when Martin Luther King, he said, when you look at Black revolution, it's, it's, it's more than a struggle for the rights of the, of the Negroes. Right. He, does, he said it's, it's, it's a force. Uh, it, it, it's, it's forcing this country to face the flaws that it has. Racism, poverty, as, as the sister was saying, that it's, it's not just one thing. When people can't, you know, when people are not, when, when people don't have food, when people don't have shelter, mm -hmm. you know, that's where the problem is. But that is systemic. So when we talk about systemic racism, we're not just talking about police brutality. We're talking about the core of it is that there's an internal issue when it comes to racism, when it comes to zip codes, when it comes to poverty, when it comes to schooling, when it comes to militarizing black and brown communities. It is, you know, so when we, when we look at what we have to do, we have to bring internal change. And in doing that, we have to expose evils that are rooted deeply in the structure. But I strongly believe that will come about by learning. And I believe from my personal experience that when we've seen Martin Luther King argue that our nation should live up to its founding ideals mm -hmm. by protecting the right to vote, banning segregation, by 
ending racial terrorism, whether it's in the form of incarceration or, or uh, in other ways. But we don't, we still haven't seen that materialize, materialize fully, you know? Um, so, so just to go off on a tangent, you know, when, when you think about change and why is understanding so important, and I'll give you a, a just, you know, just blatant open for you to change a system, you have to elect officials that think like you. And that's very important. Now, when, as a millennial, one of the things that hurts me the most is that majority of my uh, colleagues and peers won't vote. They won't vote. So I've seen majority on the front lines of of the protest, but they will not vote. And it's really it, it's it's an oxymoron almost. You're calling for change, but what it where it really matters, choosing and you know, sorry to throw out these words, but choosing maybe going finding somebody who has progressive mindset who understands what you're going through. Mm -hmm. right? Because my generation as millennials, and I, I don't know if everybody else here is young, millennials or younger or older, but we are more likely uh, uh, to face debt, more likely to not make it compared to our parents. Mm -hmm. And this is going to grow. So we have a major issue. So when we think about change, again, I believe it's internal. And that comes to understanding. As religion, we believe it's niya. As Muslims, you have, to, you have to have intentional change. You have to have intentional change. And you can't change the system if you're not willing to engage that system, Right. That's what Martin did. That's what Malcolm did. So when, when we argue to, you know, ban police brutality and the right to, you know, to vote and banning segregation and other things, but we don't proactively partake, I don't know how that makes sense. Gosh, that's such a good point. I was um, ranting to my friend at the kind of the height of the movement, and and so many people are like, you know, the system system and speak about the system, quote unquote, as, a, as if it's this like nebulous, detached thing. No, the system is made up of a bunch of people who do or don't participate. Whether or not you're participating, the system lives on. The system that you so desperately want to dismantle. So to your point, like, you know, if it's something that you feel so strongly about, there is a there is a um, place where you can participate. Yeah, it's, it's a really powerful point and it's something that's actually pretty scary going into November, right? This notion of like, there's a big abstention movement, right? People who are saying, I'm not happy with either side of the coin. So I'm going to just, you know, not participate. Mm -hmm. it, this idea of like all or nothing, right? Um, and like, this analogy is somewhat relevant, uh, but not quite for several reasons. But this, this notion of like perfection being the enemy of progress. And I, and I want to caveat that by saying, like, there, there should be a bold ambition that we should anchor on, right? And it's crazy to think that it's a bold ambition to want, you know, the incarceration rate for Black Americans to be consistent with white Americans. It's a bold ambition to get the, you know, loan approval rates to be on par with white Americans, right? It's a bold ambition for us to have, you know, you know, an equal chance at, you know, um, and, you know, proficiency, reading proficiency in elementary school, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so all these things are, you know, what we should anchor on, right? Like this is, this is important. A equity is the goal, but it shouldn't be lost on us that we need to have, there's a path to get there. And when we talk about these gaps, right? 
seven times disparity between the incarceration rate when you know you know deaths in custody uh for black americans are over 2x what they are for white americans when we talk about these stats these stats are not going to be addressed in a week a year a month right mm -hmm. and so how do we think about balancing like this bold ambition with progress and not letting like this inertia cripple us i heard cornell west actually say something really interesting and i think it's it's, it's probably quote people use quite a bit but it's this notion of like try again fail again fail better like you're not going to get it right the first time right mm -hmm. like if we had the answer we problem would have been solved but this notion of just like trying to get something done and learning from it to be thoughtful about the next iteration is really really powerful mm -hmm. what we do have to be careful about though is you know balancing this like focus on practicality or pragmatism at the expense of like meaningful change and i think sinal was touching on this earlier there's a lot of performative gestures happening right now right you see companies just donating money to these causes there's like these empty gestures in some scenarios which is just trying to signal that hey i care but not really be thoughtful about the impact and sustainability mm -hmm. and so how do we think about like that balance of making strides in the right direction, not being, you know, um, too conservative in our approach, but also not taking an all or nothing uh, mentality, right? Whether it's in the voting booth or whether it's, you know, things like defunding the police or police reform, right? Like so, some interesting, just like I, I had this uh, pretty interesting experience where I got to work with uh, the city of Atlanta on some police reform work. And if you think about just defunding the police, in and of itself, that kind of idea has a ton of nuance, right? And exists in its own spectrum, right? There's one end of the spectrum where you can completely abolish and rebuild the system, right? Starting from scratch with a completely different premise. And then there's another end of the spectrum where you can make minor targeted adjustments to redistribute capital allocation to do things like demilitarize the police or you know pull some officers out of certain communities and so there's this wide range of like what that actually means but at every end of that spectrum you're going to get pushed back right mm -hmm. you're either too, too radical for conservatives or moderates or not ambitious enough for progressives and what that leads to and what i observed and again this is like my short stint working in the public sector here is like it leads to inertia right because everyone is too scared of stirring the pot or getting canceled quote unquote canceled like people just don't make moves and so really really important to think about how do you stay anchored to that ambition but continue to make progress in a way that's meaningful yeah definitely i mean one of the things right. if, I, if i add on is um, when you think about real change, I mean, just just take what the brother was saying, police uh, defunding police or police reform. Uh, historically, we see that the earliest calls for police reform are the 1920s, so early 20th century. And we're still talking about it, literally 100 years mm -hmm. when we have so much progress, but we're still talking about it. So going back to that, you know, there's a call to change the world, but as a Muslim, we have to understand that change again comes from the individual, right? We have to change ourselves. But beyond that, when we talk about, uh, and again, I'm going to be speaking from a, from a, from a uh, Islamic point of view, 
Um, as Muslims, we believe there's two levels of change. There's individual change and then there is a societal change, right? Uh, society will not change until individuals change themselves. Mm-hmm. We believe that individuals have to educate themselves. Uh, what we see is politicians throwing the same rhetoric, same broken promises, and as he was saying, fail, fail again, fail better. But the idea there, in, in, you know, it, it, the, the meaning that's in, in between is that you reflect, you learn from your mistakes. But what we have seen is that there is what we call uh, uh, um, you know, a, a, a lack of imagination, a lack of intellect. There's a void of intellect when it comes to uh, uh, the political realm, when it comes to social change and what we, when we talk about real change. We're being fed the same all, and sorry for the language, same all crap over and over again, and we're taking it. And we we are not thinking about real change in 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 in, in, in inventing new methods. We're mm-hmm. think, we're we're still talking about, and I'm talking about a lot of movements, a lot of movements. Mm-hmm. We're still thinking about change using the same methods, using the same arguments, using the same political strategies that have mm-hmm. very well brought us to the moment we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So the momentum that we have right now, we have to really think about, look, America is not perfect. Right. Uh, um, America has never been perfect. OK. And it's and it's never going to be perfect, but it's been a place compared to many other places on Earth where it has been easier to fix things when they were broken. How do we do that now? We need to fill that intellectual void. We need to think about. Uh, uh, new strategies, new momentum to tackle this, right? Because we have to repair ourselves. Nobody's going to come and repair us, right? And that's one of the one of the one of the uh, um, uh, one, one of the blessings that we have as a people is that when we stand together and we come together, having brought that in, initial individual change, we're able to repair. Right. And I think, you know, when we, when we talk about real change, it is about you know, us as a people thinking about different methods, different arguments uh, and different strategies than the failed strategies that have really brought us to the moment that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, I have a question. When you talk about like working on ourselves individually, question how how can we tie islam into working on ourselves to help this movement right now like what are some of the things islam teaches us about or says about justice and you know equality and you know how to treat people or fighting for your rights or fighting for the oppressed yeah so subhanallah i mean to support black lives it's islam it's simple as that. To support black lives in Islam. When we think about in our in our tradition, racial discrimination has been from the very beginning. When it was Satan and Adam, or Satan and Adam, from that very time. The Quran talks about how Allah has created, how God has created the heavens and earth, and the diversity of your language, and the diversity of your color. And Allah, then Allah tells us that these are signs for those who reflect. And we know the prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him and all the other prophets, he said in his, in his final sermon, outlining to his ummah or to his nation, to his followers, to us, that all of mankind is from Adam and Eve. 
An Arab has no superiority over a non-Arab, nor does a non-Arab have any superiority over an Arab. Also, a white has no superiority over a black, nor does a black have any superiority over a white, except by piety and good action. And what's interesting here is that at the end, he says piety and good action. So the idea that your salah, your five-time prayers, your zakat, your charity, your hajj, your pilgrimage, and your fasting, your own, and you, all, that's in piety. But then good action is doing proactive deeds that bring about other changes. So they are, in, they are inherently good, but they're also extrinsically, extrinsically good, right? So when we think about, when we think about uh, uh, supporting black lives, as Muslims, you know, we have to be, one of my teachers used to say that if you could encapsulate Islam in one word, it would be justice, right? Um, the scholars talk about the most comprehensive verse, which many of us may have heard um, in, in Jajumah in the Friday prayers, where the Imam talks about standing up for justice, even if it be against yourself, even if it be against your families, right? So the, the idea that for us to stand up for a just cause, this should this is the call for every American Muslim, right? To stand no matter what you know, no matter no, no matter. Uh, um, what the bigots bigots call us, whether they call us Marxist or, or Islamist or whatever else they want, right? Because it has happened before. And inshallah, you know, um, it's, it's great to see that our community is coming together, um, but uh, there's a long way to go. There's a long way to go, inshallah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, supporting, supporting and challenging, uh, supporting uh, justice, challenging injustice is intrinsically in the identity of every Muslim. Yeah, I like that's a very good point. I also think that um, because it's a very sensitive period, I think a lot of us or some of us, when we look at supporting black lives, some people may identify that as also being anti-white. And I think that we got to be careful and not, you know, they just through Islam, not hating white people or disliking white people and you know make the goals systemic changes and let's not also like become anti-white or anti whatever in the sake of pushing forward our movement yeah it reminds me of a um a quote remember we talk, talk about the system um just understanding the problem right uh, you gave a really good analogy about the about the pond, and I, I, if you could just share that with us, I man, I feel like that, it helped me, like, or people kind of understand a lot more better what problem we're talking about. We're not talking about black or white, but what, what problem we're actually talking about. Yeah, no, it's, um, I, I think, Otto, you're referencing this, like, uh, this groundwater approach. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was a good article. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's, it's really interesting. It's, um, a question it's, it's this framework about how you think about like the system and where you need to actually focus your efforts and so if you have a lake in front of your house and one fish is floating belly up dead it makes sense to analyze the fish right um what's going on with it uh but if you if you see all the fish um in the lake that are, you know, belly up, then you might say, you know, something's wrong with the lake, 
But if you see all fish in all lakes belly up, then there's something structurally wrong with like the groundwater, the springs that actually fuel the lake, right? And so instead of focusing on a specific fish on a lake, you would focus on the groundwater, right? And, and that's mm -hmm. just kind of a broader framework for thinking about like these inequities for African-Americans, right? It's, it's, it's not a criminal justice issue. It's not an education issue. It's not a healthcare issue. It is like a systemic, you know, societal issue, right? Um, and so while we can play whack-a-mole across you know, specific initiatives and, and, and issues, like we also need to be, by the way, like whack-a-mole can be productive, right? If, you, if, you, if you're thoughtful about it. Um, but we have to be mindful of like the broader picture, right? And, and not lose ourselves in the fact that these things are all interwoven, right? The fact that I am denied a home, a home right? Or not able to have banking in my neighborhood does lead to a higher crime rate, right? Which does lead to poor education, right? Which does lead to a healthcare gap. So all these things are interwoven and, and correlated. So it's, it's important to have that broader perspective. And I think most of us get that, right? I think this is more for, for folks who don't really understand it. Um, and, and the point that Sinal was making earlier, I mean, there are people who are like willful, willfully ignorant, well, this is not going to help out quite a bit, but there are people who are just, you know, who, who, who just need a nudge mm -hmm. to get the context. And so this could potentially be helpful for them for framing for them. It's a really good point. Yeah. Look, look guys, we can, we could talk about this all day. I mean, obviously we don't have the right solution. We don't have a clear cut answer. But I feel like we have a better understanding every day as we go. And I feel like that's part of the solution. That's part of the, you know, internally we are, we are seeing things more clear. We're, ha we're, all, we're all learning every day, mm -hmm. right, about the problems that we do have. And I, I feel like individually, you know what I mean, like, you know I mean? I, you know, everybody knows me, I'm a big J. Cole fan, right? So it's just kind of like, you know, revolution happens inside of you, right? It's not mm -hmm. like, you know, you overthrow oppressors because that's going to, it's a system. If you overthrow a presser, you're going to put another person in charge who's going to, who's going to become another presser. So you know what the system is, right? The system is designed for that. But if everybody rises up and changes it within themselves, you can, you can change the whole system itself. And I feel like that's kind of like where we're kind of in the direction we're moving towards. Yeah. And we become more woke, we become more conscious, and we become more thoughtful and more, you know, vocal and more, you know, more powerful in our movement. In our speech, and our, you know, I just want to say thank you for everybody coming on this conversation and be part of this conversation. Obviously, it's it's a marathon, like Nipsey said. It's it's really a marathon. Like it doesn't stop, right? It keeps going, and we, you know, we do better. We fail, we get better at it. Um, but I would like to thank everybody for coming on and having this conversation, sharing these thoughts with us, and hopefully we can continue in the future and keep going and building off it, right? And hopefully have some answers, right, as we go along. I think I think we should nominate I think we should nominate Rumsey as a uh, Harari BLM leader. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm with that. He got my vote. Yeah, man. he got my got vote. Got our vote. Mm. Guys, man, I really I want to say thank y'all. I appreciate y'all, man, and so uh, we we'll, we'll keep it going, right? And thank y'all from the whole from the whole crew and everybody. And this has been another episode of the Loose Martha podcast. Please stay tuned and catch our upcoming episodes.